Welcome to Kick Your Butts, a show where excuses, limits, and boundaries go to die. Where moving through everything that's holding you back is the key to stepping onto your infinite path and achieving the success you deserve in life, business, and relationships. It's time to take those butts and kick them into oblivion. Now here's your host, Susan Desenzi. Welcome back to another episode of Kick Your Butts, where we obliterate your butts, boundaries, and excuses so that you can step into your infinite possibilities and become who you were born to be. I am so excited to be here today with a very special guest because he's unlike most other guests that I have. And you might be wondering why, and I know I always love when I have a guest to kind of create a little mystery around who this person is. But it's because he brings a new flavor to the world of holistic health. He brings a new flavor to how we can step into 2020 and really take care of our health and guide ourselves on a path of true health and wellness. So with great honor and much excitement, I would love to introduce to you today Dr. Neil Smoller. He is a holistic pharmacist and supplemental expert with a practice in one of the most famous towns that I was alive for but could not attend because I was a little too young, and that is Woodstock, New York, right? How cool is that? With his no-nonsense, slightly sarcastic approach, which I am absolutely going to love because you all know the flavor of this show. He provides the best in-class supplements and advice without the usual bullshit of the natural products industry. He's the founder of Supplement School, an online education platform teaching people how to build a sustainable wellness practice with their expertise about supplements at the center. Attendees learn his method for holistic care, the holistic standard. Neil is also the host of his own podcast called The Big Mouth Pharmacist. Welcome, 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 Dr. Neil, to the show. Well, with that introduction, I was kind of looking around for another guy. Like, that was really nice. (laughs) Thanks. That was super sweet of you. Thank you. You're very welcome. So as a pharmacist, right, a pharmacist always brings this picture of this person who is this expert and has been trained in medicine and pills and, you know, big pharma, right? And the way things have gone over the course of, you'll speak better to this than I can, how many years would you say it's been shifting attitudes toward big pharma for the average person? Yeah, you know, I think the corruption has been showing its face since like the 70s and the 80s is probably when, you know, because the big pharma came on the scene, the 50s, you know, that's when we started to talk about manufactured medicines. I grew up in an environment with independent pharmacies, which was what existed primarily up until very recently. And those pharmacists, two, three generations ago, they would make your medicine to order. And it was a very customized approach. The apothecary was the place to get all of your medical advice and your custom-made medications. That's why they used to have the soda fountains because they had the machines to make your your special carbonated medicines there, right? Ah. So, you know, pharmaceuticals came on the scene in like the 50s and 60s, and that's when we started to move towards this this idea of the isolated chemicals and the manufactured products that are consistent. And then we, st- you know, it's a billion-dollar industry, so then 
corruption showed its face. But I also say, like, let's be real here. Like, you can't have a monopoly game without somebody cheating. So, you know, the idea that you're not going to have a billion dollar industry and have corruption, it kind of is, you know, part of being a human <laughs> as right, well. <laughs> exactly. Well, and so with those attitudes shifting as corruption has crept in more and more and people really becoming what I've noticed as a therapist and coach being frustrated with westernized medicine and the medical models and the way it's just, oh, you have the symptom here, take this other pill. And now we're hearing on TV, you know, the commercials that are like, and here's all the potential side effects. And 99% <laughs> of them often say, including possible death. Like, who wants to take this, right? That it's really geared a lot of people toward looking toward alternative health. Yeah. And then here comes Neil, because I'm telling everybody that that makes sense, that logic fits for a consumer. But I'm telling everybody that the natural product industry is the same, if not worse. Really? Because, yeah, because we think that the natural product industry are these small little brands with a bunch of hippies from Woodstock grinding up herbs in, in their, <laughs> you know, their garages and stuff. And that's not what's happening. Okay. Uh, there are 14 mega corporations that own most of the supplement brands that are on the market. And most of those are pharmaceutical industries. Really? Absolutely. And most vitamins come from raw material suppliers that are pharmaceutical companies. Oh, so, that just so, gave me scary chills. And it should because the what you're taught and what you're told is that the natural products industry is the alternative to the corrupt medical industry, but they're the same thing. And so, so, and I have lots of evidence about all of this and we can dive into it, but the question or the point that I like to make to everybody is that there is corruption on both sides and the, they are the same. So Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's use medicines when appropriate, and let's use natural products when appropriate, but let's not say one is better than the other. I, I call it the middle path. We think that the pharmaceutical industry are devils and the natural products industry are angels, and they're both jerks, and that's really what it is we have to understand. So then we have to know this fact and accept it so we can better navigate it because both of them can be very awesome. Wow. Wow. I really like what you said about that because- you know, honestly, my personal thought process was exactly what you just said, was that big pharma are the devils and the natural industry are the angels. And so to learn that that's really not the case yeah. is, is scary, but enlightening and really a reason why I wanted to bring you on the show to kind of really help my audience understand those differences. So let me ask then, and I, and I want to hear a little bit of your your story about what led you into pharmacy work to begin with, but can you explain then what a holistic pharmacist really is then? Oh, I made that word up myself. I oh, just, I, don't I, care. I, I love I, it. I, yeah. I think it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. And, and, you know, again, I'm a no BS kind of guy and, and I'm, I'm glad that I can say curse words if I need to on your oh, podcast. You can. That's great. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. But the idea of a holistic pharmacist is one to disarm people. Because when they hear pharmacists, they think big pharma, and I'm associated with the pharmaceutical industry. Meanwhile, I hate people taking medications. I, I hate people taking medications as they currently do, because there's so much opportunity for us to use a holistic care model, which involves lifestyle, natural products when appropriate, and medical care all together to live our best lives. But often we use one and just one, right? So yeah, we're, right. if we're if we're if we're really into the natural products, then we're going to say supplements are the alpha and the omega. I'm going to only take supplements. You had said, you know, I don't want to take all these pills, but I'm going to take all these supplements, which are made by pharmaceutical companies, <laughs> right? So so right. Um, or people are saying I don't want to 
take, go on a diet, I want to just take the diabetes medications. And none of that is appropriate. So I say that a holistic pharmacist is someone who wants people to use lifestyle modifications, nutrition, stress management, exercise, you know, even environmental controls first, like to, to try to mitigate and minimize our risks of disease and illnesses and problems, and then look to these other things and, and look at them in a manner that is much more critical than the, the current mindset is kind of wrapped around. A pharmacist best role, if you think back, because, you know, now we have just chain pharmacists who are exhausted because the chains are working them, you know, to the bone. And so we don't have that special relationship anymore with pharmacists. But if we think back, the pharmacist really knew who you were, knew what your needs were. And then they were the ones recommending the best products for you as well. And so the idea of a holistic pharmacist is somebody who's trained in pharmaceutics, the, the, the manufacturing of an elegant product that is best for you fits really, really well because we can become the experts in, in saying this omega-3 fatty acid is the best for you based on these scientific and research-based things. So that's my thought around holistic pharmacy is that we need to rethink holistic care and we need to bring the pharmacist expertise to the table because it's valuable and not always directly tied to that pharmaceutical industry. And do you think that there are many pharmacists who hold the same ideology that you do? Or do you think you're kind of a rebel in the field? I think everybody wants to, but we don't get trained on this in school. And, and right. my goal is, is to help the local pharmacy colleges implement some sort of education program. That's why I launched Supplement School to help my fellow pharmacists at, at first and foremost get trained in this because we're the ones, our model's changing and, uh, and, the, and the life of a pharmacist is really dynamic right now. So I want to help pharmacists learn this stuff. And again, a pharmacist, we know thousands of drugs at any given time. If I turn this camera, because we're doing a video thing, and showed you the, the hundreds of, and hundreds of drugs behind me in my store here, you would say, how the heck do you keep track of all that? And well, that's what our special skill is. We know how to like do this. And when we talk about supplements, we're just adding like another row or two to our knowledge. It's not really that complicated for us to learn. So I believe that a pharmacist is really, really good for this. And I, I think that a lot of people want to know this. They want to be a part of this new paradigm, you know? Yeah, I would, I would agree, especially as a licensed therapist, you know, going back to something you said before, my philosophy as a therapist has always been that you can, let's say, to bring it down to a pharmaceutical kind of level, my belief was that you can never take medicine without therapy, but you can do therapy without having to take medicine. But if you're taking medicine, then it's not just this quick fix. Here's this pill. You'll feel less depressed or less anxiety ridden and go on and live your life in this merry way, popping that pill every time you need. And so to me, with what you're explaining, it's the same kind of thing. You can take this medication if it's needed. And that's the thing. I've not ever been anti-medication. I am anti, here, I've gone to the doctor. I feel this way. Oh, here, take this script. That is what I'm anti. Yeah, I you're anti the reflex, you yep. know? There's a time and a place for all of it, and there's a time and a place in my philosophies as well for what I would term the Eastern philosophies blended with the Western philosophies of our technology and our medicine and the, and the healthcare, the way it's, it's developed over the years. But if we rely just on that singular piece like you were talking about before, we miss out on really, in my opinion, becoming balanced and whole as a consciously aware person of my ability to be 
well and healthy. Right. Uh, and th no better way to say it than that. We we need to take the whole picture together, a holistic approach. And my argument to this is that we're all saying the same thing, right. right? We're we're all, I mean, your doctor that's saying, here, just take this pill, is saying the same thing, but he's working in the constraints of an American healthcare system too. He's got to churn you through. And he doesn't have time to argue with people about, you know, your, your a A1C is 10, so you, you've got to take these medicines. You, you know, you can't smoothie that away right now, you know? So he doesn't have time. No doctor is getting kickbacks from a pharmaceutical company that you guys are saying. It's only the, the hot shots that, that used to get that kind of stuff, right? And none of us want you on 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 medicine. Nobody wants you to take pills. But the argument that I bring here is that Eastern, Western, whatever your philosophy is, we need a better standard for holistic care and, and, and have it all encompassing. But then we also have to remember there is a difference between the academic discussions of well, I'll use omega-3 again. Omega-3 is good for you and the products that you buy. Yeah. Because the natural product industry is failing us because of the regulatory and business environment. You know, so you go to the store, you buy an omega-3 product, but there may not be the right dose or the right form or might not even be omega-3 in there. I, I often cite my favorite bit of uh, evidence to this, that in 2015, the New York Attorney General did a little uh, uh, investigation and they went to the shelves of the biggest supplement retailers in the country. Okay? okay. And they pulled their products and 80% of the herbs had zero active ingredients in them. Oh my gosh. 80% had zero active ingredients in them. So people are buying these things and there's nothing active in there. And that, and this didn't talk to what I thought was important. What else is in there? Because it's not just that it doesn't have what you want, but then what potential contaminants, adulterants are in there that could potentially be harmful to you. Wow. You know, I think I remember reading something, something about that, okay, a long time ago. Gosh, as a consumer then... We just have no way to really protect ourselves because we go into these stores, we expect and think and read that this particular supplement might be good for our health or our you know, specific situation, and not knowing that this, okay, well, let me, let me back up before I go on with that. Did it change? After the New York Attorney General did that, did any? No, he's shaking his head. I'm no, I'm shaking my head, and I hurt my neck doing it because that's how no it is. Like that's all we do is we look for um, quality issues. So CBD is the biggest supplement trend in the market. Fifty-two people in Utah got hurt from a CBD product. There's really? like CBD coming all over the place. There's all these horrible contaminants in it. It's more of a widespread problem now than it was just a couple years ago. Now I would say that. Over the trend over time, when some tighter regulations have been put in place, has been that it's gone from like 60% harmful products to 30% harmful products, but it's still a large chunk of the population. I just wrote an article actually about something that came up with saw palmetto, an herb that's been used traditionally, and it is very effective, by the way, when done correctly for prostate health in men. And saw palmetto is expensive, so not only were they adulterating, meaning they were using not real salt palmetto, what these companies were doing, they found that the fats that had the effect or looked like salt palmetto were the same as like animal fats, sheep, rabbits, stuff like that, right? So they took the fats of sheep and rabbit and they put it in a product and labeled it salt palmetto oh, no. because that had the same fatty acid profile. That to me is a gross just uh, injustice. You know what I'm saying? Like they're selling, a, imagine being vegan. 
Imagine be, having a religious exemption and you're buying a botanical. So there are too many examples of this being a common widespread problem. And, and the real concern that I have for people is that there isn't an easy way for us to get to the bottom of this, to, to know, are we buying the product that we think we're buying? And, and I, that's why I call for, you know, the supplement quality standard. I feel like what, what we have to do is we have to identify what is it that we want out of these products. And then we have to know that it's not as simple as going to the store and just picking it up, but instead putting time in, uh, because we have to. So it, it's really funny too, cause I wanted to kind of touch on something that you were, you were talking about is like, you know, the idea that, um, you know, I, I want to go in and I want to, to, to get this product for my health. I, you know, I'm, I'm empowered to do this. I, I'm making this great decision. But there was a news article that came out that showed pure corruption and fallibility, and it was ignored. You know what I'm saying? So, so we are, we're so well aware of pharma's corruption. And, and as soon as a little tidbit of a story comes out, we grab onto it and say, oh, see, there we go. That's more of the reason why we need to go to the natural products industry, except this massive landmark thing that happened that hit every major newspaper was soon forgotten because we want this to be true. We want this this reality to, to suit us because this is the story that we've told ourselves. And I think it's more empowering to know that, that there is this equality uh, in corruption and it's more empowering. So then you can make better decisions for your health than almost everybody, because everybody's just kind of entrenched into these, these decisions, these false equivalencies, you know? So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. so, so yeah, so that's, that's just something interesting. I just picked up on when, when you were saying that is, is that, you know, I didn't, I don't remember seeing that story, but I'm sure like, you know, a lot of people can pull off, oh yeah, the pharmaceutical industry do this and this and this. So that's something that we have to kind of catch ourselves with, you know? So how else do you find that then the industry or the supplement industry, the natural industry really kind of deceives us? So how else would you find that information? Well, the problem is right now is that because of the regulatory environment, we have a lot of self-policing done by the good guys, okay? So there are organizations that are trying to do things correctly. So with herbs, we have the American Botanical Council, right? Fish oil, there's a group that's come out that says, you know, we're going to set the standards for fish oil and we want some transparency. There's a couple probiotic groups. But the problem is, is that only the good guys are going to do that anyway. So those are just like rubber stamps that we would throw on. There's no unified measure of quality. And the unfortunate truth is that even if the FDA was funded enough to catch all these bad guys and was able to put in solid regulations that are needed to make sure that, you know, the bottle that you're buying is actually what it, it says it is, we still have a gap to, to cross because a supplement in this country can say turmeric on it, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't mean that it's the right form or dose. Again, going back to that research-based approach that we're trying to bring to people, when you come to me for an antibiotic and, and you're, you know, you're getting uh, the same antibiotic in my store that you would get across and in any store across the country, it's identical quality. And then your doctor uh, professional is recommending a dose based on clinical evidence. When you buy turmeric, you're just buying something that says turmeric. Right. It doesn't necessarily match any clinical data at all. doesn't have the right absorption or the right dose or any of that. And so, so you can see that there's a learning process here for people. We need to put, the the idea of big pharma versus natural products on the shelf and we need to know that they're both jerks and we have to put our guard up for both of them and then we have to understand the connection between the therapeutics 
the evidence, the, the, the folklore even, like, the, like you said, the Eastern, the old school stuff from thousands of years ago, and what we're actually buying and putting into our bodies. Mm-hmm. And so, so there's a lot of work to, to kind of like get through and unpack here, but when done correctly, it'll be life-changing. So how do you recommend then, let's say the average Joe who has been told by their doctor that they have XYZ health issue and they should take these, you know, maybe big pharma medications and maybe the person's not so interested in that. And there are, there are some real solid evidentiary kind of, you know, studies out there that indicate to that person they could take this supplement or again, maybe a blend of one medicine one big pharma medicine and a supplement that would add, you know, increase their health or decrease these symptoms, or maybe even their doctor recommends this to them. How would they then go about and find these kind of best supplements for themselves in order to be able to do that and really take charge of their health? So I spend, you know, probably 30 hours a week looking at supplement quality and the newest current events around supplement quality. And it's nearly impossible for me wow. because at any time, the data that I'm getting, unless I'm taking every single bottle and, and paying the thousand dollars to have it tested myself, yeah, we don't know because they could be fudging the data, you know, so that we can only approach perfect, you know, we're never going to get there. Um, and there is no universal database. And there's these small groups, you know, people will say, well, what about lab door? What about consumer lab? And uh, what about consumer reports? What about, you know, again, American Botanical Council? What about IFOS? So there's all these different groups out here that we can kind of look to. But what I try to teach people is, listen, you, you know, come to, to me and my blog and stuff to learn what the problems are and to learn how to do holistic care correctly. Then make your world way smaller, bring it down a lot and find a local trusted practitioner, you know, that you can, you can work with. You know, the old school method is you would go to a doctor and you'd have a great relationship with them and you can talk to them and you can ask them questions. And that's what I want of you from a holistic care standpoint. Find that local practitioner that isn't just going to sell you a bill of goods that you can work with. Part of the reason that you want it to be smaller is so you can punch them in the face if they lie to you. You know what I'm saying? So- <laughs> I love that. I always say punch them in the throat. You said punch them in the face. <laughs> yeah, I like a blend of both, right? Yeah, Don't punch them. Yeah. I, yeah, I always say like, you know, I, I'll buy from you locally because I can drive my car through your front store window <laughs> if I have a problem with it. You know, just know I'll I be back. Yeah. Sorry, my sarcastic nature loves that. Yeah, um, wonderful. Yeah. So who would they look for, though? You say, you know, a practitioner in their area, like who? So, and this is another bit that, I, you know, I get a lot, I, I cause a lot of tension around because I have a firm belief that there are many charlatans out here as well. Oh, sure. Yeah. So we have this idea of the product issue, but then we have the idea of the advice issue, you know. The science itself, you know, there's all the problems with do we have enough clinical data to show that omega-3 actually does something. But the recommendations are really the problem because there's so many people just talking crap out there. Okay. And, and it's dangerous. And, and one of the things that I've said is that I could be more successful getting into all the quackery. You know, I, I'm a trustworthy dude. And people want to believe that the natural product industry is going to be their savior. I, if somebody comes to me and they say, I have Lyme disease, I'm in Woodstock. We're in one of the Lyme disease hotbeds of the country, right? I could sell them 20 supplements easily. 
with their antibiotic if they d d tend to go that way. But I refuse to. I say, no, 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 that isn't evidence-based. That's not based on any science. There are some things that can be helpful, right? And if you want to try it, I'll get you the best forms of it. But I believe that there are a lot of practitioners, quote unquote, out there that are misleading people based on this broken system. And, you know, here's, here's the thing. So when you're in like a traditional medical program, doctors, pharmacies, who pharmacists, whoever, you have to go on practicals, like rotations. So I have to work with, like, I remember this is a great story. So I was working at a heart failure clinic. Okay. <laughs> okay? So we were doing transplants. So, so if I made a mistake, that's a real issue, right? Yeah, so it's kind of bad. My practitioner, my, you know, my preceptor is like, go ask this question about changing this medicine to optimize therapy. And I'm like, that's a bad idea. So I did it and I got screamed at because it was a bad idea. I was correct, right? So the feedback mechanism that we have in our training is to not get screamed at, to make the best decision for the patient. What's the feedback mechanism of somebody that's not going through that process that just exists? to get more patients. Their feedback mechanism is just to make people happy. And that isn't necessarily what's best for them either. You know, and again, your field, you're a therapist. I don't have to tell you that these problems exist when it comes to, to charlatans. There's a lot of people that are just talking smack and it's a real issue. So I believe that when you're looking for this person, you want to make sure that they are credentialed. The best measure is, are they registered with the state or municipality that they work in because at least then somebody can hold their feet to the fire. Mm -hmm. We had some dude that worked for us here and you know, again, he was here and he was under like my umbrella, uh, but he's not a licensed practitioner. He's just like a supplement guy here. Right. And he, and he goes off on his own and he starts making recommendations. Who can hold him accountable if he's being that charlatan? No right. one, because right. even the state, the state organizations say, well, we don't regulate him. We can't come after him. Right. And that's the deal is that start first with a licensed practitioner. So dietitians, pharmacists, obviously you can find a holistic one, but there are plenty of, um, you know, registered healthcare practitioners that believe in these same things, this holistic standard, you know, and, uh, and that's, that's where I would start. So like, you know, maybe integrative medicine docs. And again, I'm, I'm not in the field, so I may be goofing up terms and, and please correct me if I'm, if I am, but like functional medicine docs or integrative medicine docs or integrative nutritionists or naturopaths or, no, I'm um, going to, I'm going to get such smack for this, but it's like, it's the, the idea I'm challenging everybody. So I, of okay. course, I have to be able to stick my neck out. I believe that the, the tenets of functional medicine, some of the stuff that they say to people is excellent. We want a holistic care method. We want to take care of lifestyle stuff first. But I believe sometimes we hide behind those terms to just rebrand what we did in uh, the 80s and the 90s, yeah. right? So I believe that we call ourselves quote unquote functional or integrative and we're just being that charlatan again except now there's a more conscious acceptance of it so it's like the idea that are all pharmacists dopes no they're not um, there may be a couple dopes out there so i believe that we can't even look to those labels we have to take more of this power back instead of giving it over and that's what i find the most so if i'm here on your podcast to talk about you know kick your butts and all of this stuff so we want people to to make the best health decisions for themselves okay and part of that is to retain your agency okay a lot of people like to give it up i i have customers that say i'll do whatever you say you know right <laughs> and they just kind of yeah. hand it all over to me and i'm like no i'm like i appreciate that trust but no this is what you need to do and you need to make this decision. So you need to take back your agency. So it's not as simple as finding the normal shortcuts. You know, the analogy I always use is like, 
we're a very DIY society. We uh, live in a world where we have uh, feedback and reviews everywhere. So if you're picking a hotel or a restaurant, yeah, read those reviews and make your decision based on that. Don't do that for healthcare, you, <laughs> whether it's natural or not. You want to take the, the responsibility to ask the practitioner specific questions that will make you feel better about that decision. I know it sounds, it sounds like a ton of work. I know I'm like adding to people's stress here, but the thing is, is that the, the, the system's broken and being aware of that means that you kind of have to do that, that, that extra legwork. Right. Not, not at all. It's, it's, you know, I'm really chill in, in <laughs> when I, when I interview with people because I, I really let it organically go and I, I have, don't worry, we're going to get, we're going to still get to other places, but <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking as you were talking was then, well, what kinds of questions? Yeah. Doing what you do as a holistic pharmacist, then, what would be a recommendation for maybe one or two questions that someone could ask of a potential new practitioner that they're looking for that would be a good kind of green light flag for them that says, hmm, this person may have some of the knowledge and, and ideologies that I'm looking for as opposed to the charlatans? Sure. What's the biggest problem with the natural products industry today? You can ask them that question. And if they, okay. if, if they can't recognize the flaws that are there, you know, that is normally a good sign. And again, I'm, I'm highlighting for everybody what those flaws are, the products, the expertise, you know, the recommendations. That's what the, the problems of the natural product industry is that we're not getting the products that we think we are. That's the biggest problem. And then so like what steps are you taking to combat that? You know, also look at the, 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 the financial system, you know, how much does this cost? <laughs> and and like you know are you expecting me to buy a lot of supplements you know how many supplements should a person use to maintain their health how about that yes. that's another question yes i love that one because i know i remember a number of years ago i had a dear friend who is a chiropractor and also trained in i guess um probably tcm traditional chinese medicine and yet she didn't feel as trained as this other chiropractic friend of hers and i was having this issue and she said go to my go to my chiropractic friend i said okay so i went to the chiropractic friend and she did the full you know scope of assessment and all this stuff and then she's like okay you need these supplements and it was like six or seven of them. And I'm like, do I have to take out a small business loan for this? <laughs> right? No, what you have to do is you have to take a bowl and, and put milk in it and just take a spoonful. <laughs> and that's how you do it every day. It's your Cheerios, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. So fascinating. I mean, eye-opening, disheartening. Yes. Yet at the same time, we can't change anything if we're not aware. So I love that we're bringing awareness to this, to this issue. So what really led you and I want to go back even further after you answer this first question to initially what led you to wanting to become a pharmacist. What really, though, led you to becoming a holistic pharmacist? So the idea of, an, well, money. I'm going to be honest. Let's be honest, right? So I had a pharmacy in, in my hometown. We had just opened it. And the industry was changing. So we were taught in pharmacy school that supplements aren't to take, they're to sell. Oh. That was the mentality of the of the of the profession. Wow! Right? That was literally. Uh, I think it was damn near ninety. We used to call him Yoda, and he's owned a practice for fifty years or so, and that's what he told us. And so that was my mentality around that idea was like, we need a revenue stream, so I want to sell supplements. And this is don't think that I'm 
unique in this. This is literally what people are thinking when when they get into this business. But it was after you know, looking into it and starting to ask, ask these questions around, well, what's in the bottle? Well, how do we know? You know, what are the standards? Isn't there any, any evidence here? And starting to like pick it apart, you can see that there's a gap in the industry, but you can also see so many people saying that they work. So it's the idea of saying, all right, well, there's got to be something in, in here. There's got to be gold in these hills somewhere. And so so the idea here became, I'm doing this for, as a revenue stream, and I want to build this integrative practice where we sell supplements and we're, and we're filthy rich, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like that, dumb, that dumb idea. Right. And, and then it's like, wait a minute. So who's leading here? Who's, who's taking charge of all of this? And it was once we identified that gap that I said, this is who I want to be. Because a pharmacist, I believe, we were the most trusted profession forever. Integrity is what our profession's been built on. And so how can I sell supplements with integrity? And that's actually where our first catchphrase came from, or our tagline was wellness with integrity. Oh, I love and that. And thank you. I appreciate it. I got a trademark. Ooh. Yeah, but uh, the, the idea is that, you know, how can we be a pharmacist, a respectful, a respected and respectable member of the community making recommendations based on what's best for the patient, not what medicine is best for the patient or what supplements, which is what's best for them, you know, in this way, manner with integrity. So, so yeah, so that's where we kind of started. I wanted to be a pharmacist because of that pedestal that pharmacists were put on in my community, especially because, you know, that I only knew my world as a 14 year old, but I worked for the local pharmacy. You know, my, my neighbor, my mentor was my pharmacist and just knowledgeable and and funny and and a member of the community and just like really deep roots. So that's what drove. I, I literally applied to one college, pharmacy, Albany College of Pharmacy. That was it. I, I applied like and I got accepted the next week and I was done. Everybody else was going all over the place. I'm like, no, I'm going to pharmacy school. I've wanted to go since I was 14, and that's it. So I've always had pharmacy on the brain. I'm a very very passionate pharmacist, and now I'm kind of like just pointing all of that passion and and up rage towards uh, the supplement industry. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear that. I, I really admire that at 14, you had that click for you, that oh watching God. him as a role model for you and a member of the community who was integrated in the community, not just as the pharmacist, but as this guy who was really an integral part of the community, that it led you to, to make the decision that, wow, that's who I want to be. That's what I want to do as I grow older. And you just kind of sounds like put your nose to the grindstone, made it happen, and have then since learned throughout the time. Well, let me ask, how long have you been a pharmacist, if you don't mind sharing? Uh, yeah, 15 years. I graduated in 2004 with a doctorate degree, and uh, and I've been doing this for 15 years. I've had a lot of jobs, man. I've done a lot of different things. I was a pharmacology professor, clinical pharmacist, consultant pharmacist. I've I've worked in retail stores. I've made IVs in hospitals. I've done and tried everything. And I feel like community pharmacy that I grew up in is my home. Mm -hmm. um, and now this role as a holistic pharmacist, though, is the best of both worlds. Right. I was, yeah, because I love that it sounds like over these last 15 years, then you've really learned as you've walked the path of pharmacist and you've walked the path of doing what you felt called and, and loved to do, that Along the way, you came upon these potholes that made you say, I don't want to go down that path or I don't want to fall in that pothole again. And my integrity 
and who I am choosing to be is more important. Were you always that way, Neil? Yeah, I mean, really, the, it's like hard-nosed or stubborn or whatever it is. But, like, you know, I was always the guy that was like, let's try to do the right thing. I I, I, I kind of pride myself on that the fact that I've never, like, I don't think have tried to actively screw anybody over. You know what I'm saying? Like, even in college and stuff like that, I, I don't think I've ever, like, been adversarial. I've, I've done dumb stuff. I've said sure. dumb things. But I've never intentionally been like, I want to hurt somebody. So I, I always know that, I don't know, this is probably getting into my mental health picture, but the idea that, you know, what's fair, what's right, and then, like, fighting for it tenaciously is definitely part, and to a fault, you know, it's like fighting for that. It, it, it's 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 a definitely a big part of me. I think that what you just said there about the idea of kind of the 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 long range vision and just kind of always keeping that in the in the in the forefront of your mind and just like that's what I think people need to be doing for their wellness, for their health, for their mental wellness, is defining their their goal. What's your vision for your life? What is it that you're trying to do and trying to be? And then we build everything around it. We make all of our decisions based on does it make that statement true? One of my biggest business failures came when I was trying to expand into this gigantic empire. I had one store, I opened this store, and then I opened up two more within the space of two years. And I said to myself that I was doing it for my kids. I have triplets and I have another little baby because we don't know how birth control works in my house, <laughs> even though we're pharmacists. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I said I was doing it for my kids. And the truth of the matter was is that I was doing it for myself and my kids were sacrificing a lot. They were sacrificing dad time when they really needed it, you know? And so it was until I like got the kick in the face that life sometimes does. And I said, wait a minute. I said to my wife, and this is again, me with my, my like laser focus on stuff. When I was flirting with my wife, she asked me one day, like, what is it that you want out of your life? You want to be like a successful business guy because I've always had this itch. And I'm like, no, I want to have a family. I mean, I really want, like, kids are, are very important to me. And I, I thought, I just like, like, aha moment, the water dumps, the light bulb, you get punched in the face, whatever it is, whatever analogy, that's what happened. And I said, I wasn't holding true to that. And so... I make that a big part of every conversation is that when you plan for your wellness, what kind of life do you want to live? And then that will inform all of your decisions. So we create a strategy. We have to create a plan. We can't just swing vine to vine from one expert to another, one guy on the internet to another. People make decisions about supplements based on, on, you know, some dude they heard in Whole Foods, like this, like, oh, you need to take resveratrol. That's the example I always use. Yes. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, I got to use resveratrol. I, I'm a resveratrol guy now. And it's all hearsay. So what I, you know, I teach people, it's kind of like the matrix. I'm going to give you the red pill or the blue pill. You can be ignorant about all this stuff, or you can see the truth. And then if you take that pill and you, and you see the truth, I'm also going to teach you how to like dodge the bullets because there's just so much information coming at you. And, and we, and we want to like take it all in and incorporate it, but no, you need to be Neo. You need to be like doing that whole like thing with the cameras and, <laughs> and just watching all that information flow off of you because it doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with your mission and what you're trying to accomplish with your health. And do you think that that integrity that you have always lived with and walked in, which again, you know, everybody's human. We've all made poor decisions sometimes. We've all done silly things that were out of integrity or, you know, whatever that didn't always follow suit with who we knew we were at the core or who we were choosing to be. Do you think that all of that is what really makes you different as a holistic pharmacist? 
Yeah, I think the the reason that I'm different than most of the voices in the natural product space is because I am not going to compromise on this. Like, I'm not going to say we're going to bend. You know, the most bending that I do with this is to say, listen, you're an adult. You do what you want to do. You know, like you mentioned traditional Chinese medicine. I'm sure that there's something there because botanicals and herbs really work well. But I'll tell you that most traditional Chinese medicine products are absolute garbage, are of the worst of the worst, right? With something that you want to avoid at all costs. Really? So, absolutely. It's it's of the most contaminated, le- least transparent sourced stuff. You think it's coming from China, so it's got all this mystery. but it, in a sentence before, people are like, I want nothing from China. I don't want my pharmaceuticals from China. I want my untested herbs from China. It's like, what the heck? Oh. Yeah, and, and as a result, a lot of people are getting really poor products. So what I'm saying here with this whole idea is that I think that everybody's an adult and they should be empowered to make whatever decisions they want to do. It's not always the medicine. It's sometimes the spoon. So whatever makes you feel like you're living your best life and making the best decisions, I'm cool with. So the most I'll compromise is that. I'll say, sure, take whatever. If if you feel for your, you know, using the Lyme disease example, if you feel for your Lyme disease, this is the therapeutic options you want. I will then help you find a clean version of that product. But that's as far as it'll go. I'm not going to be the guy that'll wreck recommend those things. And I think that's what makes me unique in this space is that I'm just saying that, no, like this is, and again, I'm also saying that I'm not perfect either. And it's impossible to get to perfect. All I can say is we can create this model and we can work towards perfect. That's better than 90% of the people that are out there. Well, and becoming more consciously aware of when we take these supplements or these medicines, how it works in our bodies, how it feels, how we, how we move with it or through it or even up against it or our body or our mind is resistant to whatever for whatever reason. So then in your store, do you have a lot of supplements that you offer that you've sourced out and feel as integral and as confident as you can be that these are the best of the best as of right now? Yeah. So unlike other retailers, that sell products that are popular, that are marketed well, that are high profit margin. We only sell products that meet or exceed some sort of standard. And so I can definitely walk through these shelves right now and pull out a bunch of stuff. And in fact, that's one of my New Year's resolutions is to, or New Year's projects, I should probably say, because the resolution idea is kicked, right? So the idea of like, we need to go through and purge this. So that way we're really always offering that refined version. So, you know, I tell people, the form of calcium you want for bones is something called MCHA or hydroxyapatite, not calcium carbonate. And I have calcium carbonate here because some people want it, you know, but I, it shouldn't be, it should, it should be on the bottom shelf. It should be the dustiest thing in the store, you know? And so, so that's my specialty is like, I'm kind of like curating an experience. I'm saying, okay, these are the, this contract manufacturer is good in this and this contract manufacturer is good in fish oil and this one does essential oils. And, and then we're, and we're even then selecting, okay, this, this contract manufacturer has 200 essential oils. Well, 30 of them are, are high quality. 30 of them are doing what I'd want to see. So we're only going to sell those 30. Gotcha. So that's the experience that we do in our store. And that's what I'm hopefully going to be teaching other pharmacists, like how to kind of walk through that thought process. So do you only teach pharmacists or if like an average- I'll teach anybody. Oh, you'll yeah. teach any- I'll so, teach anybody. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if any of my listeners are like, wow, this guy is like rock solid awesome. And I want to find out more about, you know, working with him. Do you do that? Or do they have to be in Woodstock or? Oh, so the, there's the, 
like two parts to that because we have the practitioner side. So I don't necessarily talk only to pharmacists about supplement school. I'll talk to anybody and I believe the best people that would be suited for it are consumers, people that want to, you know, either open a wellness practice or health coaches or whoever, because they're the ones that need the most help, you know, to learn from this stuff from pharmacists, you're going to learn the learn a lot. So yeah, if you wanted to become a part of supplement school, that's certainly fine. But if you're a customer, and you say, listen, I want, I give everybody 15 minutes. Okay, so you get 15 minutes for free if you're not a customer of ours. And, and you send me your list of medicines, your list of supplements. We talk for 15 minutes and I say, this is how I would pitch your boat. I would, I would, I would go this degree to the West. This is how I would implement a plan for you. If you decide to then become a customer or want to pay for further consults, I'll certainly advise people. But uh, if you're a customer, you pretty much get that service all the time uh, whenever you need it. You know, so. what's interesting about that is that, you know, you're right. I never really thought about the fact that pharmacists inherently have a trust factor. Like I can go to my doctor and he can, he or she can say, take this medicine. And I go, there's two thoughts that didn't used to be there that are now there in 2000s and 2020 now. And that is, is he or she, and I don't know if this is true and I could be talking total smack here, but is he or she getting a kickback from the drug rep because as a licensed professional myself, I sat through countless drug rep lunches with perks in the beginning, and then, then it was just pens and papers, and then it was, well, we can't even do that, but they still were bringing lunches and dinners. And so it was one of those things, and, and I remember some of the psychiatrists that I used to work with that would be like, oh, am I number one in the county for how much I've prescribed this and that? Or we've heard the whole pharmacists get a dollar kickback back for every generic prescription they fill. Now, again, I'm not asking for truth on those things. My point- the first one's true. The second one isn't. We don't get paid for anything, but yeah, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so my thought was always that when I would hear these things from my doctor, I was like having those negative kind of suspicious thoughts about, is he really prescribing this because he truly thinks that it's the best medicine for what's going on for me right now? Or is it because it's the new and latest drug or that there's some kickback or any number of a myriad of other things that my mind was thinking? Whereas when I would go to the pharmacy and they would say, hey, this is a new medicine. Do you want to talk to the pharmacist? And I might actually have questions about it. I inherently trusted. Didn't matter if I went to a chain store, I realize now with what you just said that I have always inherently trusted that my pharmacist is going to know the best route. So adding this piece now of supplementation is beautiful because now I feel that I could call you up and say, hey, I want to start working with Dr. Neil. And so I'm going to, even, even though we're having this interview and we're doing this podcast, you would be somebody I could call now and say, look, all right let's work together. How much do you charge? What do we need to do? Blah, blah, blah. And I would feel so much more in integrity and in trust with you that you are really my partner in my health and well-being. And yes, it's still up to me to do what I need to do, but that you're looking at it from all these angles. Wow. Do you think you're a pioneer? in this kind of um, arena now? No, you know, I, I'm, I'm a really good copycat. I'm sure I've, I've like taken stuff. You know, I was used to be a DJ in college, so everything's a remix. <laughs> so <laughs> for me, you know, so uh, I'm really good at like taking the pieces and, and kind of putting it together. The, there's a couple things that I want to kind of talk about here. So the first thing is the idea of the kickback. I want to tell you a funny story to blow your mind a little okay, bit. Okay, I would love it. Yeah. 
there are supplement companies that sell only to healthcare practitioners. They only sell if you're a licensed practitioner to some degree. They come, they bring food, they bring gifts, they bring free product, they take you out to lunch, and they pay you to speak for them. So they're, they're literally running the pharmaceutical playbook. And guess what? It influences practitioners. So this happens in the natural product industry just as it happens in the pharmaceutical industry, except now there is no laws against it in the, in the supplement industry. It's only protected in the pharmaceutical industry now. So again, I understand. So you have to ask, what is the motivation? And this is why I try to tell people all the time. I try to, you know, again, I'm here for the long run. I would rather people get the fewest possible well-made supplements from us, of course, than anywhere else. And I constantly am telling people, don't take something. That's the only way I can teach people to trust me. Stop using that. No, don't use that. That's, I would make money, but don't use that. And yeah, trust is built into our story, but then that trust can be manipulated. And, and, and so just like the idea of, you know, Dr. Oz is a doctor. You know, um, but, uh, you know, just because you have doctor in front of your name and again, I'm using it honestly as a virtue signaling or like a marketing technique, right? Calling myself Dr. Neil Smoller. I have much more always a doctor, right? I have, I have a doctor degree in pharmacy. I can tell you all about clinical stuff, but I'm, I'm not a real doctor, you know? And, and so we have to know that what are these marketing exploitations, you know, the, the whole social media thing. It's just manipulating all of the psychological shortcuts that we've been using. And so what are these exploitations? And yes, pharmacists can be trusted, right? And they should be trusted, but you still need to vet them. You still need to make sure that this pharmacist that you're staring at or talking to can be trusted. So don't forget that part is that, you know, even within that, story of pharmacists are trustworthy. There's still a lot of jerks out there. So, you know, yes, maybe somebody in the audience will want to reach out to you via email or phone or, you know, the ways that we'll make sure that we give them by the end of the show for them to get in contact with you. But let's say I live in your town and I've just moved and I see this pharmacy and I go to your pharmacy and I want to, you know, get XYZ. Like, how is your first touch point with them? Is it only if they ask to speak to the pharmacist and then ask for advice? Or do you offer like some kind of talk or classes that start getting people interested and aware that you are more of a holistic pharmacist and do this? I mean, we've been here for 10 years now, so I kind of have a reputation. And, you know, the nice thing is, is because I've been a pharmacist in the, in the community for 15 years, I have you know, numerous referral sources, lots of doctors trust me, you know? So we have a lot of people that are kind of already know me, but again, here, here's a a way that it it runs. Somebody comes to Woodstock, they come to village apothecaries in the name of the practice. Right. And our tagline here is where aging hippies get their drugs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I I put that on a t-shirt. I I should send you a t-shirt. I'll do that. I'm going to make a note. I, oh my God, I will wear it proudly. Like I, I, I love that. Okay. Isn't that ahead. awesome? That's awesome. Yeah, so it's great. So, um, so they come in and they say to us, they have a problem. I have a pro- I can't sleep. And what we would say to them first and foremost isn't, well, this is the best medicine for that or this is the best supplement. We would say, well, do you want something natural or do you want something more like, you know, traditional medical establishment, you know, or do you want what's best for you? And that right there was like, oh, okay, it could be both. You know, and in some situations like allergies, I believe that the the Claritin is the best choice. It's safe and it's not metabolized into horrible stuff and it's in and out. So that was normally the first touch point. But then other people will come in and they have complex situations. But the thing that we do that's a lot different is 
when somebody says, I want this supplement, we just don't let that happen. We say, well, we need to know more about you. So, you know, tell me about your medical conditions. Tell me about your medicines you can take. Okay, this is appropriate for you. So it's that extra level of check, you know, we can't, you know, I want omega-3. Well, here's our omega-3. Do you need some advice around omega-3 and selecting it? Okay, well, I need to know more about you, you know? So, and that's, that's an important piece is that that's the, what people should be saying. So if you walk into a health food store and you ask that question and they don't ask, you know, about your medicines or your, your allergies or anything else, then you know that advice isn't solid because they're not considering everything that needs to be considered before they give something. Oh, so it's like they're just being a salesperson and saying, right, right, yeah, yeah. Even at a health food store, huh? So you would want- oh, It's 10 times worse at a health food store. One of my other favorite studies to, to cite, I believe it was 2004. I forgot what the date was, but it, it was, uh, maybe it's 2010. So it was a Canadian health system study and they went into health food stores and pharmacies. Okay. And they found that 88% of the time, the information at health food stores was based on no or little science at all. Oh, yeah, I could see that. And in pharmacy, it was like 60 to 70% too. So when it came around supplements, because everybody's just talking smack. So nobody, nobody's using that research, that science. So, and that's why it's got to be research-based or science-based holistic care. We need to make sure that we're connecting this to something. So yeah, when you go to a health food store, these are teenagers. <laughs> right. No, that's right. Exactly. Or no? even you go to the Whole Foods or the Trader Joe's or whatever other kinds of supposedly air quotes here, natural or more organic stores are where they sell supplementation and you think that people are a little bit more conscious and savvy and, and knowledgeable. So to come to find out that, you know, wow, see, those are great questions. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Yeah. And I mean, remember like, where are they getting that training? And they're getting that training from the brands that they're carrying. Exactly. The brands are, are educating them on the sales points and not from some unbiased source. Right. So you said that you've had that pharmacy, Village Apothecary now for 10 years, but you've been a pharmacist for 15. So if you don't mind me asking, did you own or were you in your own place before? Did you work for somebody else or... So right out of school, I did a bunch of things and I was trying to spread my entrepreneurial wings and I ended up just opening up a pharmacy in my hometown with my mentor and the guy that made me think of to be a pharmacist in the first okay, place. Okay, wow, cool. So the independent pharmacy had sold at that time because the industry's changed so much and it was a Rite Aid. So he and I went across the street and like Pied Piper, I called him Pied Peter because his name is Pete. He walked everybody across the street and they all transferred their business to us. We shut a Rite Aid down. So we, we thought that was a victory. And so, and we had a really strong practice, one of the busiest pharmacies in the county. And the problem is, is that our industry was changing and our industry was changing and the reimbursement model changed. And that store was 99% prescriptions. So if we got a hit, on reimbursement, which, you know, again, that's a whole nother can of worms to open. But if we got a hit, it hit us hard. In this store, which is a slower pharmacy, we actually do better financially here than we did in the pharmacy that was doing three times the volume because of our mix of products and our mix of like in the supplements and such because they're better margins and there's not insurance companies involved and stuff like that. So I decided, you know, during this peak of feverish, like this industry isn't going to get better. And if I hold on to something, even though it's sentimental value to me, I'm going to burn. Um, so I had yeah. to make this horrible decision to sell this pharmacy that essentially has been open, you know, and serving the community for four generations. Wow. And, and, and it was like a funeral when we closed. It was the, the darkest days of my life. And I kind of hope that this is the way 
that that I can always say that that was the darkest days because it wasn't really that bad. It was a tough business decision and it was emotionally invested. But I mean, if that's my worst, I'll, I'll be happy with that because I won't have any real tragedy right. in my life. But it was extremely difficult. And, and so like that failure, the inability to keep that business going on taught me so much about myself. Would you be willing to share one, like a, a top thing you feel it, it helped you to learn about yourself? Yeah, I mean, so the the first thing is the idea of the vision, setting the vision and being true to who you want to be. Yeah. And along those same lines, it kind of, I, you know, I got into meditation and mindfulness as my solution to resolve all of the conflict that I had in me. I was telling myself a story that I was some successful entrepreneur. And when a business of mine failed, when I had to make this horrible decision, that's a big conflict. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> and that creates anxiety and stress and all this other nonsense. Right. And so, you know, the idea of of not using labels the idea of saying there is no such thing as success there is no such thing as failure because the truth is is that it's never black and white there's always tiers and steps there's options if you're reasonably smart you can come up from pretty much everything. That's why they say if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger, right? So you learn from these things and you will end up being a better person. And you'll look back and go, wow, I'm kind of glad that happened because I'm happy with where I am now. So, you know, the big thing was understanding that there's a big gap between the story I was telling myself and, and the life I was living. And then the idea that there isn't such a thing as success and failure. There's, there's intentions and then stuff doesn't work out. And so you shouldn't be labeling any failure because that's you then applying that label and then it carries such an emotional weight for people. You know, the idea that, oh, I failed, you know, I'm a failure. And then that's another story you're telling yourself that creates an anxiety in you. So, so, you know, the idea here is that things don't work out sometimes, you know, and sometimes you made a dumb decision, you know, sometimes it was your fault. And so the best thing we can do is to, is to not judge ourselves to say, yep, I screwed up. And it's okay because people are allowed to screw up and next time I'm going to try to do better. Not I'm a failure. I'm not the person I thought I would be because then that just creates more tension and anxiety. It's better to just be conscious real. And what's real is you tried, you know? And so, so that was the big thing. I called it the, the, the $2 million personality change because I lost a couple million bucks in, in my, in my business foils there. So but it sounds um, like you stepped more into who you naturally knew you were and, and wanted to be. I'm, I totally 100% agree with you. Like, it's interesting as a therapist, I am in the label field, right? Label, label, <laughs> yes. label, label, label. And especially if I took insurance, then I had to label, right, to diagnose in order to get reimbursed. And I haven't taken insurance for years now. But I've been in the field 23 years. And even though I'm in the field, I've always hated the labels because just like failure, success, all of these things we unfortunately tell ourselves a story like you were saying, and we let that become part of our identity as the story, as the label. And so I've always looked at, again, air quotes, failure as learning opportunities that, wow, I made this choice. It didn't move me forward the way I wanted. I, I used to work in a prison for a number of years and the guys would be like, yeah, but I'm an ex-con, I'm a felon, I'm a this, I'm a prisoner, I'm a drug addict, I'm a dealer, I'm a murderer, whatever. And I'm like, that's not who you are, that's what you've done. And if you are truly willing to dive into those places that allowed you to make those choices in the first place, that you thought that that was the right choice to make, and you truly learn from that and say, I don't like that 
that consequence anymore. I don't, I don't like that I made that choice and that's not who I am. And I want to make a different choice. You are a hundred percent able to do so and let go of that past. My original show, Kick Your Butts, originally was called Infinite Possibilities Rise from the Ashes of Your Past because it was about releasing the past conditioning. And it's still the same. I just changed the name as a little bit lighter way to deal with the very heavy emotional stuff that we all deal with. So in that failure, essentially as non-termed termed for having closed down the first practice, the first pharmacy, and you stepping in and realizing more of who you were choosing and wanted and needed to be, have you then since looked at those times when other choices were kind of falling in that? Because look, here's the truth. We may not like those labels and terms, but the majority of people kind of live by them, right? And we're on the forefront of trying to help them change their path on health and wellness or change their path on emotional resiliency and intelligence and mental health as well. At the same time, though, this is the language to some degree that they are still used to. So phrasing it from that failure label, would you say then that that first experience and learning what you learned about yourself has now allowed you as an entrepreneur to look at every choice you've made since, whether it worked out or not, through a very different lens? Oh, my God, of course. Yeah, I mean, I'm extremely cautious. What, you know, just to add to what you were saying there, like, I think, I think it was Alan Watts that said this the best, like you have no obligation to be the person you were five minutes ago, Yes, you know? And so, and that's kind of what, what I realized is that the guy that I was then, cause I, you know, I was a young dude that was trying to run a business with 50 people in it. And the only weapon I had was the conditioning that I had growing up and like those natural kind of responses. And I was a jerk, man. Like I would just be a poor manager and just was mean to people. And so, you know, really? in the face, oh yeah, totally. In the face of failure, I realized that, listen, you know, I've got to like be clearer. Like let's set out what the expectations are and let's just be honest with everybody because I then looked at people through this lens of who I wanted them to be versus who they really were. So I was not only doing it to myself, I was doing it to my employees. And because that gap exists and I had all this tension, I would just like yell. So, so yeah, I mean, the idea of now looking at all of my decisions absolutely it was the best thing that ever happened to me like it sucks i want that money in that bank account i want the money in the bank account and i want to learn all the lessons but that wouldn't happen and i say this to my wife a lot i say this to people all the time if my you know because i had expanded we had four stores right so we had we had a, a vitamin store and we had a new integrated practice with compounding and all this great stuff and medical equipment and pharmacy and supplements and if all of that stuff worked out it would have been worse for me because then i would have kept going and I would have had spent less time with my family. And I probably would have been a dead 50-year-old or a dead 45-year-old from a heart attack. You know, and the other thing to, you know, your listeners should really hear, our brain does this dumb thing where it's like, oh, there's only two decisions. There's only two paths. There's good and bad. There's fail and success. And it's like you look back and say, well, I made this decision and it didn't work out. I should have made the opposite decision. But you don't know where that path could have took you. That could have took you to a way worse place. So, you know, you, you got to not, not that's the other big take home. It's like, don't let your brain tell you that. It's like, well, I say to my brain when my brain's like, well, we should have done that. Well, where were you, a-hole? Like I, I, I was taking opinions at that time. Yeah. And you didn't tell me that that was a better <laughs> choice then with your crystal ball, you jerk. Right. right? So, so the idea of a dichotomy around everything, success, failure, good, bad, 
this path versus that path, this decision, that decision, all of that came to full focus. So now, yes, yeah, so I make my decisions now very cautious. Uh, you know, I thought an entrepreneur's thing was you take the risk and execute, you know, but an entrepreneur is the person that gets kicked in the face repeatedly. And then when he gets knocked down, gets back up and gets going. That's the entrepreneur, like taking a risk a chump can do, you know, and that, I was the chump. I, I can take tons of risk, leverage debt and, and build it up and then and then get stuff done, you know, but I wasn't, I wasn't being a real entrepreneur. I love that. And if you didn't bring that up just now, naturally and organically, I was going to bring that up because for all of you out there, when I have a guest on the show, they fill out an application and in the application, there are a variety of questions. And so Neil had made that statement about what he just said slightly differently that I absolutely loved. And I was like, okay, if we don't get to this and it doesn't come up naturally, I'm going to make sure that I comment that you had said this and weave this in because that's so beautiful, right? And and what he actually said, and he said it beautifully now, but I, I also, because I want to put this as a quote in, in I'm the I'm a better notes. writer than I am a speaker. You can Are you? It. Oh, see, Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> and, and I acted shocked before when you were like, well, I was like, I was mean to people. And I'm like, really? Because although you all can't see Dr. Neil, you can just look at this man and see his heart. You know, like, it's not like you're putting, you're wearing your heart on your sleeve. And I know we just met, but that's part of my gift. I'm such a, you know, I'm so gifted in that way that I just feel and see and, and what's inside of people. Regardless of that, though, I swear to you all, if you saw our interview live, well, not live, but if you saw our interview or you see, you'll see a picture of him, you're just going to get the feeling that you know, see, I, I see why you're a pharmacist now, that there's a trust factor, but more than that, there's a heart and an integrity factor that you can Thank just you. feel. You're welcome. So when you said that, I'm thinking, you were mean to people? Really? Yeah. Like I, an I would never yeah, see it I mean, now. Yeah. Yeah. And I try not to be now. Uh, it comes out occasionally, especially when I get stressed out about stuff. And and like everybody, it's the, the thing is I communicate it. When I hire people, I'm like, hey, I just want to let you know when my fuse gets short, I get barky and it's not a reflection of you. It's actually me just expressing my frustration. Yeah. So I hope you're cool with that. So right, like I try cool. to like communicate it. But I what were you going to say? You said you were oh, going to so read my yeah, quote. I want yeah. to actually read what you'd written, which is a, a quote that we'll put in the show notes, but it says, being an entrepreneur is less about your ability to get things done or take risks, but more about your tenacity after failure. You got to put that on a t-shirt, Dr. Neil. I'm we'll telling do. You, yeah. Right? Absolutely. I mean, because it's really the truth. It is, it, what you said is so beautiful. It's more about, and, and honestly, I think this, this cuts across the domain of entrepreneurial space regardless of the arena or industry somebody's in, this is about humanness, right? That if we have these challenges, if we have these, as I've termed, kick your butts moments, these places in our life where we were stopped by the but, the limitation, the obstacle, the boundary, the excuse, we were stopped by the past conditioning or who we believed we were because of that, that if we are willing to face it, take that risk and that courage and dive into it and face it, we can not only learn to walk with it and move with it and through it, we can put it on the shelf, not as a thing that we've let go of in the sense of it's gone, it didn't happen, forget about it. It's, it's there where it needs to be because it served its purpose, but it no longer serves our best and highest. 
anymore, right? And so I can walk with it then instead of trying to push it away. And so learning then how to face those courageous pieces, learning how to face those kick your butts kind of moments, which I do always, so you all know as well, all my guests and I usually have at least a few minutes prior to the show. And I actually let them know that there are two questions I'm going to ask them that I I ask of everybody. And I completely forgot to let you know that, Dr. Neil. <laughs> One of them is, which you've already basically said, was what was a big kick your butts moment for you? We just phrase it like that. And that was the closing of the store. If you had a piece of kick your butts advice that you would like to leave our listeners with around the area of being a holistic pharmacist and health and wellness and them taking charge back and stepping back into their power for their own life, what, what would it be? Hmm. The one piece of advice that I would give everybody, I want to make this pretty impactful here. So I would say that you should not be afraid to fail. I think that you should set your intentions of what you want from this life and make sure that you're acting towards those intentions. And if things don't work out, that shouldn't be something that you're afraid of and you 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 veer clear of and instead just keep moving forward. I, I really feel like that that is the 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 big take home because I'm trying to take my business experiences and, and apply it to the wellness experiences that I have with people and set your vision for your life and determine what needs to be true and then act towards that and understand that sometimes it just doesn't work out. And that's not a reflection of you as a person. That's a reflection of life and the randomness to this all. And don't judge yourself. Don't beat yourself up. And if you don't like the way it's going, switch. You know, you don't, you don't, you have no obligation to be who you were just five minutes ago. So I would say that that's, that's the, the big take home here is because that does apply to your wellness plan as well. So I, you know, I want to be the person that is healthy. Well, if you're choosing your eight times a day to eat McDonald's, then, you know, you're, you're not going to accomplish that goal. You know, you're not, you're not being true to your vision and your, and your strategy. So I think that that's important. And again, if, if you are doing everything correctly, if you're eating salads and, and it's just not coming off or it's just not working out, you know, you've done everything you can and, and, and just know that sometimes it doesn't work out. So I hope that was kind of impactful. No, that was you. hugely impactful. Right. Cool. I love, right, love, good. Yeah. yeah, love, 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 love that. And, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that we're, we're guided you know, I, I'm a bit woo-woo, you know, um, yeah. in the sense of I absolutely believe it, that everything happens for a reason. And so I, you know, absolutely love that we were guided together. Like my company name is True Visionaries, Inc. Right? It's helping <laughs> yeah. people step into and create that vision for their life. And so I love that we were connected, I think, through a Facebook group, honestly. Facebook group yeah. and that's it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. You've graciously offered, and thank you so much for this. I know that you said you offer everybody 15 minutes, but you clearly don't have to offer my audience anything. And you've graciously offered my audience a free 15-minute wellness consult with you where they can really kind of create their wellness strategy. They can ask you questions about maybe their medicines or diseases. They can 
reduce their supplements that they use or maybe even look toward a, a potential one that they might need or want. And thank you so much for that offer. How would they get in touch with you to either take advantage of that, which everybody listen to me very, very, very carefully. I can tell you from personal experience, not even just professional, but personal experience, how challenging. I'm a pretty flippin' smart and savvy woman. And I used to be a research assistant. I get how to do research. I may not always do it well, but I, I get how <laughs> to do it. And and the myriad of information out there about supplementation and the natural product industry is so varied that I have shut myself down from any further reading or searches because it becomes so overwhelming. I'm going to take Dr. Neil up on his offer if he allows me to. Of I course. strongly recommend that you all do too because it cannot hurt you. It will only help you. And you may find that piece that you've been missing that you need more than anything to really take charge of your own health and wellness going forward, make 2020 the year, not just the resolution setting, make 2020 in this new decade the time that is meant for you to care for you. Believe in yourself the way I believe in you. You know that's one of my signature phrases. So take this opportunity by reaching out to Dr. Neil. How would they do that though? Well, first and foremost, you'll get 17 minutes just for being so nice. <laughs> I get two minutes. How's that for sarcasm? I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, so thank you. No, of course. And like for your listeners, why don't we do this? We'll make it, a, you know, like a 30 minute normal consult. Wow. You know? um, so free consults for everybody that references your show, you know, and we'll, we'll fill it up, you know. And uh, so you go to woodstockvitamins.com slash consult or consults, I think both of them will work. Or you can go to drneilsmoller.com. So I have two sites. We have the, the supplement store site, and then we have my personal professional where my podcast is and supplement school and soon like a, a special blog around business and such. So that's where you would go. And there's links for scheduling consults all over the place. And then, you know, if you want, just email me. Wow, how generous. And how would they email you? N-E-A-L at woodstockvitamins.com. I'm happy to talk to people. I like freaking talking to people. I like blowing people's minds. I like it when they're like, oh, I take all these supplements. And, and I'm like, well, that actually isn't what you think it is. And oh, my like, God. Ah, yes, you know? <laughs> I love that. And I'm sure yeah. I'm going to have my mind blown too. Oh, my gosh. So you talked to, real briefly, and I know we're way over. And thank you so much for taking the extra time. No, I think before, this is a good conversation. Yeah, it's been great. awesome. Mm -hmm about your blog. Is that where they would go then? Is drneilsmoller.com to read your blog? Yeah, the blog is currently at Woodstock Vitamins because that's kind of like what we started out with okay. first. So woodstockvitamins.com has the blog. So our search box is the first thing you see on the page, the little place, like sort of like Google. Just type in whatever topic and I probably have an article about it. Otherwise, there's a learn section. You click on learn. So like we've, we've done some great stuff. A lot of people have problems with sleep. So you type in sleep, you'll see my sleep webinar that we've done. We've done an hour you know, video on it. We've done a podcast with a world-renowned expert. I've even written blog articles about it. So that's all you have to do. Bone health, calcium, strategy, whatever you want to do, just type it in. And our blog is there. And it's very popular. I, I, the thing about my blog is I write. Like I write six to eight pages every single week. And people are like, oh, my God, it's so long. I'm like, that's 10 minutes, man. Take the 10 minutes to read. I have a really funny story. For Christmas, we did an article about cranberry, and I was teaching people how it worked. And I used, and this is, you'll have to go to the blog to see how this works, but I used the gif of Ralphie in a Christmas story getting kicked down the, the slide by Santa. 
Uh, so I related that to Cranberry. So you have to go check that out. <laughs> I love that. Go do that, people. Again, go to please take advantage of Dr. Neil's generous, wow, 30-minute. Thank you so much for that You're offer. Welcome. I guarantee you will not be disappointed. Go to www.drneilsmoller.com. That's D-R-N-E-A-L-S-M for Mary, O-L-L-E-R.com, or go to woodstockvitamins.com. If you want the consult, just type in forward slash consult. And know that all of these links, as well as his email, will be in the show notes. Dr. Neil, thank you so much for such a fascinating and enlightening and unfortunately, but honestly, fortunately, eye-opening conversation about such an important topic, because this really is where it's at for us to take charge of our health. My absolute pleasure to be here. And thank you for all the work that you're doing, helping people get their act together and like, you know, kicking their butts. Kicking I their appreciate butts. it. So <laughs> thank you all for being here today. I honor you all. I will see you next week on another episode of Kick Your Butts, where we obliterate your boundaries, your excuses, and your self-imposed limitations so you can step into your infinite possibilities, become who you were meant to be, and live your highest potential. I'll see you all next week. Ciao for now. You've been listening to Kick Your Butts, where sitting on your butts is no longer an option, figuratively and literally. To access the show notes and important links from today's episode, please visit kickyourbutts.com. While you're there, please share your Kick Your Butts story by clicking the Start Recording button. It might just be included in a future episode. Thanks for listening today. Now get out there and kick those butts to the curb.